Hi, I'm Greg Potter, and this is 20-Minute Collaborations. Hi, and welcome to part two of Car Troubles also known as brunch with two of my good friends and we decided to record 20 minute collaborations before it was even a thing (laughs) and now it's a thing and you're listening to it so thank you (laughs) alex at the table who you've already heard his voice speaks up and he shares another story about car trouble but this is a little bit different we get into what happens when you don't know a collaboration is done and you don't know how long people are supposed to be in the collaboration We don't know it a lot. There's so often in times in our lives, in intentional collaborations, that we don't know how long someone was supposed to be in our life. And then often in unintentional collaborations, we don't take note of people coming into and out of our lives. Actually, sometimes in unintentional collaborations, people last longer in our lives that we really intend to. This story really talks about preparation again and then also the need for sounding boards we also look at what you know transactions and what what does a transaction or a healthy transaction look like in intentional collaborations we also changed the name of this podcast briefly alexander miranda is a pediatric eye surgeon he hails from cleveland ohio he is also a singer loves games a trivia whiz and he is the most pun-oriented person that I've ever met. You'll definitely get that if you haven't already got that in episode one. This conversation really is a great addition to Dan's conversation because it builds in a way on the relationship building after we've had the trust and after we've looked at the transformational leadership and the empowerment piece that we talk about in Dan's story. And then we kind of allow it to define itself when some of these relationships aren't that deep because sometimes they don't have to be just like sometimes a meeting should not be an hour like you put on your google calendar sometimes it needs to be three and a half minutes with that said that's enough of this introduction and let's get into the story with alex hey welcome back to 20 minute collaborations uh, Dan shared a fantastic story about changing the tire on a van with his team from AmeriCorps. Uh, this week, we're going to hear from Alex. And I guess it's also similar. It's a car trouble and a bunch of terrible decisions I made that I got bailed out by the helpfulness of others. Okay. <laughs> Keep in mind, listener, I do not ask my guests to talk about a story where they look bad. That's not in the that's not in like the questions. So it's just coincidentally that now you've heard a few that my guests tell stories where they may look bad. But you did say it has to be about cars, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> tires, cars and tires. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like those stories are oftentimes the most memorable because sometimes like the the happy-go-lucky stories don't always stick with you. Oh, absolutely. I get it. I have a whole book written about the not. <laughs> I don't look great stories. And like, to be honest, it wasn't even a bad story or a bad, like, bad decision. It was just a bunch of like, silly things you make over time. 
do we need to change the title of this podcast to Cars, Collaboration, and Carburetors? <laughs> I think so. Maybe some carbonation if we're drinking a little bit of that sparkly. But you're not talking about carbonation. Yeah, but we're drinking some during brunch. Now I'm the only one drinking. Well, I had a couple earlier. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. My story is kind of very similar. It was, you know, for a couple of years of my life, I lived in Buffalo, New York. And I have to say, Buffalo, New York, which is hours away from New York City, in case you're not familiar with how big that state is. But it's well known for basically being snowy and cloudy a good majority of the years. And I grew up in Cleveland. No, it's funny because I think it's, you, you could probably define Cleveland and Buffalo as like cold, cloudy, snowy places all the time. And winter is no different. But, you know, I think it was the Christmas I had gone home to visit family. I was off of work. And then I had packed up and got ready to go the day after. I remember it was like that boxing day and I was trying to get out to get back to work on that Monday because I think it was a Sunday or something. And I had left reasonably early and I just, A, failed to do the thing of checking the weather. Because anybody who's lived in those cities knows that during the winter, like there's the horrifying lake effect snow that you can get rolling off of Lake Erie, where you can go from these crystal blue skies to dark cloudiness to thunder snow within a few short miles. You know, you know, everyone who grew up in Buffalo and like Cleveland knows about snow and is driven through snow and does well. And I have like stories of going through blizzards in my life. This should have been no different. You know, I left and it was beautiful. And the trip from Cleveland to Buffalo should be about three and a half hours door to door. And it turned into like this eight or nine hour ordeal to get from A to B because I failed to check the weather. I also, you know, I was going through Erie and at that point they were recording the, probably the biggest snowfall they had in years. They got about 36 inches in 24 hours. So they got so much snow that it was blindingly a large amount. And so the trip- Literally and metaphorically. Yeah, well, Cleveland up to, to Erie should be an hour and a half. And three hours in, I was still going 20 miles an hour and I'm tired and my go-to is I get gas and I get a coffee at the Peach Street exit, which is like exactly halfway. And I should have just not stopped. I should have been like, oh, this looks terrible. I should just keep going. I get off the highway and there's like mountains of snow taller than my tiny Ford Fiesta. And I see my Starbucks in the corner. I'm like, I'm gonna stop there. I pull over and right when I get to the apron, the apron dives down, the snow doesn't. So next thing my car is stuck in four <laughs> feet of snow. And it's blizzarding out and I don't have any like service and I'm stuck. And so I, I pull my emergency kit out. I have a little declassable shovel and I'm digging and I'm digging for an hour to get my car unstuck. Cause it's like up to the top. I had to go all around the car and underneath it. And I and it was still getting no traction. And you kind of look in the distance and you get this like guy that appears out of nowhere. Kind of like those movie scenes where you get this faded in and it gets closer and you realize it's a guy. Like wearing... a scary movie? Yeah. Except they turn out to be a guy in a backpack. Okay. Also, can we back up for a second? I'm asking a really dumb question. What's the apron? Oh, so sorry. It's the when the the drive uh, flares out between the like the driveway and the street. Oh, okay. Did you know this? No, I had no oh, idea. Oh, that must be like a regional term yeah, too. Yeah, it must oh. be like a tree lawn or something. Oh god, I love my tree lawns. <laughs> I talk about all the time. But I grew up and I was like, oh, make sure you shovel a driveway and don't forget the apron when the snowplow dumps all the snow. So yeah, it's always called the apron. I don't know why. Well, good thing I thought it was a part of the car, and I was like, God. No. So, Greg, you're showing your gayness so badly right now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Avery next to the carburetor and the muffler. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this man appears out of nowhere and he sees that I'm stuck. And he asks if I need help and I must have registered on my face that, yeah, I'm digging for an hour and I'm stuck. I can't get any traction. So he comes out and he helps me start to push my car. And then, like, another thing, I get two other guys come from out of nowhere, come close by, like, oh, do you need any help? So the four of us are pushing my car, we get it over the top, and I'm back in traction, I'm moving again. I'm like, fantastic, I'm free. 
I'm gonna get my coffee and get out of here. And it turns out those two guys are like, oh no, we work there, we closed the shop early, we're going home. There's no coffee for you. And then I was like, okay, well, thank you for your help. The guy who came out of nowhere, he's like, oh, by the way, um, do you have any money? Because I have no home and I'm you know, outside in the snow. My, I reached my wallet and of course I have a card and no ATM. So instead I gave him my mom's sandwiches and scones that she had given me earlier. So I gave him like a hot meal. And it's not over yet because I can't go back the way I came. So they told me to go out the back door. And as I'm going through the back, you are literally in three feet of powder snow and everything loses its uh, definition. So you don't see any roads, you don't see any curbs, you don't see parking lot. I got stuck in another ditch. <laughs> this time I'm by myself again, they're gone. I'm digging myself out again. And these two teenagers come in their Jeep with these huge wheels. They just kind of blow their way through and they, hey, do you need any help? And I'm like, yes, what can you do? And they had a big winch, which is a hook in the front of a car. That I know. <laughs> I knew that one. And they're gonna- That's how we have to pull gonna, the dock they're out gonna of the pull, water. They're gonna pull me out. But it turns out their winch was frozen, so they spent like half an hour chipping their winch out while I'm digging myself. And I'm like, oh, never mind, I don't need your help. I back out of my car and I go to where they came in and I missed and slid and got stuck again. <laughs> so then they come offer the help with the winch and then I get these visualizations of, I have no trailer hitch. All I have is my bumper, which is gonna rip off because it's cheap plastic, because it's a Ford cheap plastic thing. And so they're like, are you sure? I'm like, I, I could use the help, but I'm kind of nervous I'm gonna end up in worse shape than I ended up. And luckily the snowplow came and said, hey, do you need any help? And plowed the whole parking lot. And I got out of that parking lot only to get trapped by someone who thought it was a great idea to return their game to GameStop that same day on the day after Christmas. Decided a blizzard was a perfect time to deliver that game back to GameStop. And they were stuck in the apron slash the opening of the driveway of the next place. And so I took my shovel. I in, dug them out. In your head... Was this just like a desolate, just gas station by itself in the middle of nowhere? Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah I like, was not thinking. No, because like... now there's a Starbucks and a GameStop. <laughs> yeah. well, no, so it's like it's like it's called Peachtree. It's very like it's suburban mall kind of area. Okay, but because of the okay. snow and because of the whiteout, you could have been in the middle of nowhere for all I care because you can't see more than twenty feet ahead of you okay. because of that snow that's falling, and they're stuck in their own mound of snow plowed aprons. So I dig them out, and then they wait for me, and they said, "Okay, you can get over there." So then I accelerated, launched over this apron, it landed on the street and I broke the axle of my car. So then I had to drive the rest of the way home. My car was like shaking the entire oh time for the next four hours back to Buffalo. And then I called and uh, got fitted into like this uh, last minute uh, repair shop to fix it. Because at this point I'm like, I can't drive. I'm stuck, my car's broken. I was so tired. That was the longest like eight hours of my life. I got stuck three times and then I still broke my car. But, I think I would have been stuck there overnight or stuck there longer if I didn't get that help along the way. The collaboration lesson from the story is don't stop for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> don't make the decision. If you're moving along and your gas tank's half full, you probably shouldn't stop. Oh, there's a lot more in here though. Let's be honest. Okay. But I had a funny joke to put in there, but now it's gone. It left. Dan, what initially, after you told the story, what initially has come to your mind with lessons on collaboration before I start asking questions? Hmm. Well, I think if we're like on the idea of sort of unintended collaboration, I, th I think for me, I recognized I was in a lot of trouble, uh, that I wasn't going anywhere by myself, even like trying to sweat it out and do like the stubborn thing I always try to do and do it yourself. Yeah, I dug my car out for an hour and I still wasn't getting anywhere. So I think when someone asked me and even though I was like kind of, I was like, I don't know who you are, why are you walking in a blizzard? I could use the help though. And so I think recognizing that 
you're in a situation that it's beyond your own, your own capabilities, beyond your own faculties to do something about your situation, recognizing that there's others who can provide some other component that you're lacking or missing to get you over the hump, literally and figuratively, to get you out of your, your trouble spot. Mm. So I think, the, I think for me, the idea that collaboration is generated from a specific need that one or more people have and then be able to disseminate that need to others so that, you know, that if your wheelhouse doesn't include the solution to this, others might. Wow. That's my thought process for that. I love it. I love it. Do you want to add anything before I start piping in? Uh, no, just a lot of different parties. You had the person with the, the wench. Yeah, the wench. Is it a wench or a wench? I think, I think... Because a wench is... No, it's not a wench. It's a wench. is like a, a tavern. Up, I know I'm very gay, but we use, a, we use a winch. I think it's a winch. We use it all the time because we need to... When we pull the dock out of the lake with yeah. my dad's uh, four-wheeler, he's going to listen to this. He's like, no, it's a winch! <laughs> but also it made me think of in the first Jurassic Park where he gets stuck and then he ends up dying by the dinosaur because he can't get the winch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... Um, I love what you're saying because this is the first thing that I was thinking of with, is we never know who the people who are in the collaboration need to be the f- people who are going to fill that exact need when it comes up. That's kind of what you're getting at, I think, like with the different people. Yeah, and, and there are so many different ways to solve the problem and so many different problem solvers came in. Totally. And again, they came in when they were needed. Yeah. Not when, you know, like, not the first time Alex got into the ditch, not the second or third, but the 12th time. <laughs> hey, it was only four times. And, and you know, to be honest about that, like, you know, they were ready to use the winch. But then I realized that after thinking it through, it was not the right solution to the problem because I lacked some of the, like, I was not getting my bumper ripped off that time. So instead, they actually helped push me out of that, that spot. They came and did the same thing they had. I think they had some kind of gravel or salt in their trunk and they scattered it on the ground that I shoveled and I was able to get myself out. So I think that was very nice that, you know, they were able to help out and then realized that the solution wasn't the answer. They switched to gears and switched tact and helped me with something else. Mm. Um, I also like that you went with your gut to not attach the winch to the bumper. <laughs> and when you were telling the story, I initially think I was like, well, you've got the axle, but then you ended up breaking the axle. <laughs> I broke, I, no, it was a, I broke something. It wasn't the axle because I was able to drive it. Maybe it was a strut. I also know nothing about cars. So I broke something, <laughs> and the car was just vibrating the entire time on the way home. Were you going to say something else before I pop in other thoughts? Go for it. Pop in. Okay. Um, I'm interested on the situation between the man that you gave mom scones and sandwiches to. Does that say anything to you initially, or do you want me to ask questions about it? Or about that That, that interaction. Why don't you go ahead and prompt me? Because I, what do you think about in, in, in intentional collaborations, the transactions that still occur? Because it's, I mean, because each person, each actor is in an intentional collaboration with, uh, with different uh, intentions. And in that situation, the, I don't think that his need or his intention or what he was going to get out of it was even known until his part of your story was done. I think that was probably the, the toughest part to figure out because I feel like there was definitely a skill or a need that I needed addressed and he did, but then I was sort of stuck figuring out, I don't know how I could 
meet what you what you what you actually what you need and you know I think for me it was it was hard to navigate exactly like do I because obviously I wanted to help out in some way because he helped me but I couldn't figure out if it was like I don't have money I don't have anything to give what do I give that would be kind of an equal level to the the, the, the what he gave me right so I think the idea that I wanted it to be representative of the effort he put in for me to be equal to what I wanted to get out for him. That's so interesting, the idea of value, like how value of something can be different in different moments. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we always do the cost-benefit analysis of things every day, all day long, but in that situation, the value, you know, because right now you could say, Greg, I need you to go push my car, and I'd be like, uh, your car can start just fine and there's no snow yep. in the way. But even yeah. if it wasn't starting, I'd be like, can you help me push it? And I'll give you a scone. It still might not be. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, no, thank you. You're on your own. <laughs> Although you did just give me delicious French toast. Were you going to say anything else? I'm very interested. I'm, I'm kind of interested. Did he, how, how did it come about that he was homeless? And It wasn't until afterwards. He asked, like, hey, I'm kind of in a period where I, I don't have a house to, to go to. I'm trying to head to this place where there's shelter. Do you have anything that could help me along? Okay. And my assumption was that, you know, what could I offer him that would do that? And I had no money. I literally had a card. There was no ATM in sight. The freaking coffee was closed. I couldn't even get him a warm beverage or food from there. So the, the best I had to offer that I feel like would be enough to, to carry him would be like these prepackaged food that he could store away and use. Sure. So I just, I think that was sort of my, going through my own personal Rolodex of what could I offer in this case. Because mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, again, that same idea that he gave a lot to help me out. What could I, what could I give him that would be uh, uh, somewhat equal to what he gave me? Right. Um, okay, I'm gonna jump to the last thing on this story because this is a really good story. Your Dan, your story was great as well, but there's a lot to your story. I'm really thankful, thankful that you shared the story. Um, the last part is, in a collaboration, how often we don't know that it's really, we don't know it's over. Or we think it's over and it's not really over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you that's how I felt every time I got unstuck. I right? was like, you know, thank the Lord. I'm unstuck. I'm going to go home. I'm not going to be stuck in Erie, Pennsylvania. Nothing about Erie, Pennsylvania. Sorry if you live there. But I don't want to spend the night there or spend the, my time there being stuck. And then lo and behold, I you celebrate and I immediately get st- stuck again. And it's a whole new set of problems. So I don't know. I think your argument is like sort of when you do a collaboration, how do you know it's done or... How do you want to move on? Answers, I don't know. I think what I could argue is that I was the constant chain in the series of different collaborations addressing similar problems. I think there were different collaborations each time with different people, the only constants being me and my tiny Ford Fiesta and the problem of being stuck in the snow. And right. each time was a different problem-solving issue and a different way of approaching it that was varied from encounter to encounter to encounter. Right. Well, if I was consulting with this, and this was a real, actual, intentional collaboration, the, I would re-point out that the goal of the collaboration is to get you unstuck, bottom line. But you can't, if you're restuck, you're not unstuck. So, like, sometimes in, you know, we, we can't finish it until that we know that, you know, and sometimes being unstuck, in, like, in your situation would be, I'm not unstuck until I'm actually home. You know, yeah. I, I think, always. Actually, I think you're right. I think I had to realign my goals. I think my initial goal was, I'm unstuck when I'm free from this apron slash driveway opening, <laughs> or I'm free when I'm unstuck from this parking lot. And it should have been like, I will be unstuck, and the 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 issue will be resolved when I'm back moving 
on the freeway towards right. home. I think I, I, I made the, honestly, I, I, I could have thought a little more broadly and I kind of narrowed it down and perhaps, you know, making kind of these, that narrow assumption meant that I kept repeating the same thing a couple of times trying to get out of there. Totally. And when we do like intentional collaborations, a lot of my clients, like nonprofit clients, they don't know when the collaboration's over. And so they keep lingering around and they keep, you know, and I talk, I've talked to you both about this and I, it's in the book about, you know, the workshop that I do with the grocery store checkout line. And you would never have anyone standing there looking at the cashier with change in their hands, still wondering what else is left. No, they know it's done. They fucking leave. So, <laughs> so, you know, like that's, it's such an interesting thing. And in your story, you know, we, we will have faux endings often in intentional collaborations and then have to get through them. Well, do you think that's like an issue with either being short-sighted in your goals or not thinking broadly enough? Because I think in my sense, I, either I could have a tunnel vision and just said, I'm stuck when I'm unstuck and I should have been, I'm unstuck when I'm home. Could it apply similarly if you said a project scope too narrow that you might think your goals achieved, but yet not necessarily the end goal of what you want? I think it's all those things. I think it could have be a lot of different situations. It can be the narrow, the, the scope is too narrow. It could be didn't have the right people when you needed the right people or they didn't come along until, you know, it could have been that um, someone couldn't last the entire term of the collaboration. So they had to be replaced. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there, you know, you lose funding, you lose, you know, uh, um, so you have to work with the city. Like there's so many things that will cause things to add more steps, you know? So it's, I wish that we could have a, you know, a way to, see into the future to be able to call those things out but sometimes it's just difficult anyway okay so we're hitting 20 minutes so i'm gonna ask this last question and then we will end part two of the two-parter that has two parts with dan and alex okay how now that we've talked about the story how will you how will these lessons be applied to future intentional collaborations because i mean out of the three of us at work you're probably you're intentionally collaborating more with people than any of us I think it's, for, for me, I think the idea is that sometimes, even unintentional or intentional, you don't know all the players who are gonna be joining you in a certain collaboration. So I think from that situation, is just to be open to the help that other people give you, whether or not you may think it's gonna be beneficial or, or not at the end. Like, I didn't know this guy when he came up and pushed me out of the, the, the snow. I didn't know the Starbucks workers. I didn't know these teenage kids with their winch. It happens at work all the time. Like I, I, have, I have a problem with, uh, you know, say a patient or a situation and I can't figure it out myself and I'm stuck, you know, then it's sort of reaching out and maybe soliciting the players who might know more about it and getting them involved. And then it may turn out that they can solve this one problem and then it's another thing that stems and I have to switch teams. But it's very, very similar. I think for me, it's being open to sort of who's working with me and who can provide their insight, even if I'm not 100% sure of what uh, what to do initially awesome thank you both so much for being courageous and ready to do this with me any final last words thoughts anything thank you alex for brunch it was amazing <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you <laughs> I really hope when you started these two episodes that you grabbed yourself a mimosa or a Bloody Mary or a mocktail or something so you felt like you were at brunch with us. Or maybe you made yourself some French toast because you had some FOMO. Anyway, I hope you really enjoyed these two episodes. This last story with Alex and getting stuck in the snow 
multiple times was a perfect pair with Dan's story. I promise you I did not solicit these stories from them before. With Alex's story, what I really loved was the, the people coming into our collaborations for just the time they're needed. If you haven't heard me say this yet, the right people show up who are supposed to be there. It's something I've gotten from one of my old, one of my professors, Dr. Arvin Singal, is that constantly the people who are supposed to be there will be there. And that was exactly what happened in Alex's story. Another little thing that came up that we didn't really talk about in the conversation, but was recognizing the urgency and asking for the help at that level. We brought it up by, you know, making a joke about, well, Alex, I wouldn't push your car. But in the story, the urgency was so important. Snowstorm, stuck, cold, that the the risk level was so high that people did show up and the right people were coming continuously showing up because they was stuck in the snow four different times. Also, we don't know all the players. How deserving and lucky are we that we don't know all the players? Because we'd have to we'd think that we would need to control too much if we really did. And to really value each action and each player for who they are and what they bring. Every actor comes into an intentional collaboration with their own list of needs, their expectations, and what's in it for them. I say that and it sounds selfish, but a nonprofit is trying to serve their community. And if they're working with five other nonprofits, their need or what they're in for is for who they're serving. And they might not necessarily care about who the other nonprofits are serving. That's not a good or bad thing. It's just the way it is. Alex's story really helped with that. That's what I got for you this time. I hope you enjoyed a little brunch, a little conversation, a little laughter, and some cars, collaborations, and carburetors. <laughs> Until next time, good luck on all your collaborations. Have a great week, and please take care of yourselves. Bye. You've been listening to 20-Minute Collaborations with international collaboration coach Greg Potter. If you're interested in working with Greg or finding out how he can help your organization, visit ggpotter.com. You can also follow him on all the social media at ggpotter. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get all of the collaborative ooey-gooeyness that you've been longing for your entire life. This is an Artemis Bow Productions podcast.